Welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze with Grace Goller. Dealing with cancer is by no means easy to handle, but our program aims to make it easier through knowledge. Whether you've been recently diagnosed, are going through treatment right now, or are a survivor, our program will have points that you should hear. And by sharing our stories together, we'll make it truly a life-changing experience that you don't have to go through alone. Now, here is your host, Grace Goller. Hello and welcome to another edition of Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm your host, Grace Goller, and the show today is coming to you from the beautiful Black Forest in Germany. Uh, I'm here with a patient group, our Cancer Patients Without Borders, and the tour has actually prompted me to talk about some of the treatments that are here in Germany. Now, some of these treatments are now also being used around the world, and in particular in the USA. And one of those treatments that I'd like to talk about with you today is hypothermia. Now, we are hoping that uh, one of the doctors here at the clinic will get some time from his schedule to talk with us about hypothermia, but uh, we'll have to see how that eventuates. Uh, During the week, we've had some fairly exciting news here at the clinic. One of our clients, it's his second time coming with us, actually has had a fairly spectacular, uh, not exactly what we call a remission, but a miracle of a lump that he had had, a rather large lump, uh, that has been treated quite extensively here, eventually liquefying and then being able to easily be removed by syringe. So um, a lump that was previously solid and uh, very recalcitrant in having any other treatment has now found some success. So it's quite wonderful for this uh, fellow. He's going back to Australia with a flat neck instead of uh, the large lump that he came with. If you're interested in having a look at this, um, there is some pictures on my blog. Now my blog is gracegallermedia.com and the blog name uh, is A Cancer Patient Who Chose the Best of Complementary and Conventional Medicine. So in that blog, you can read about his story, um, even more remarkable, a few weeks back. In fact, I think now about five weeks ago, he was hospitalized with a clostridium infection and was put on life support. Now, this is a bit of a lesson for everyone who's listening as a cancer patient, being very careful of the source of your food and washing your food well. Um, If you're going to have salads, for instance, um, being sure that you really do the utmost to wash buying one of those products that takes off the surface pesticide residues may even help to take off some of the bacterial uh, residues that are on some fruits and vegetables. In this particular case, it was eggs, and uh, he had cracked three raw eggs into the blender to make up something I guess we'd call like an eggnog, a protein shake, and there was some contamination from those eggs. What happened was, Uh, Within a very short space of time, he became weak, uh, virtually went into toxic shock, was taken to hospital and was on life support. So indeed, it wasn't his cancer that was going to be the issue for him, but uh, the infection that he'd actually had. So who knows what part that infection may also play in this gentleman's remission alongside the other treatments that he's had. And that leads me today into talking about hypothermia. 
Um, hypothermia is uh, very popular now. It's uh, being used in America at a number of the uh, cancer treatment centres and they've been using it in conjunction with radiation therapy and with chemotherapy and actually they're able to improve the results. Um, other places around the world now, the countries are now using hypothermia. Um, China is one of the countries that's taken off with it. And many naturopaths and other health professionals are also now purchasing hypothermia units. But a bit of a word of caution here too. Hypothermia is a science and it's important that we have that the uh, the treatments uh, in a perspective, of a scientific perspective, and uh, working within the recognised medical model. I think when you're using hypothermia, it's one area where a lot of experience in using the equipment and in treating patients, um, certainly it's one of the criteria that you would look for if you were going to choose a place where you would go and have um, hypothermia treatment. And in saying that too, uh, there are some patients that have experienced burns from hypothermia and um, have actually required surgery to uh, repair the skin and have skin grafts. So it's not a tame uh, treatment. I mean, it's a lot of people think, well, you know, you just, uh, you just heat up the body and that's it. It's like getting in a sauna. But it's actually a lot more than that. And a very skilled operator and experienced operator is actually required um, to actually have some impact on the tumour material. Now, first of all, with the hypothermia, um, I'm going to come back to infections a little bit later because I think there's a lot of interesting information to share on that and infections that elevate the body's temperature. And it seems like when the body's temperature, the core temperature is elevated, that certain things may happen to our immune systems. And we spoke uh, recently on this show with Carol Hirschberg and we're going to look at some of Carol's work in a later segment of the show where there's a lot of proof that um, fevers and bacterial infections uh, are similar to the effect of hypothermia that we actually induce by um, using a machine or some other kind of treatment to elevate the core temperature of the body. So looking back at the history, I'm always very interested to look at the history of uh, all of the treatments and uh, even the history of cancer. So it goes way, way, way back, 3,000 years at least, when we know that hypothermia uh, was actually being used as a treatment, as a health and healing treatment. And even we see in the historical literature back then that it appears it was used to treat some cancers. Uh, we've come a fair way since then in understanding the cause and nature of cancer. So perhaps indeed in those early days it may have been successful if a person had an early stage cancer as a standalone treatment, um, that is, because hypothermia uh, is recommended to be used as an adjunctive treatment. Uh, in other words, it's a value add to any other treatments that you may be having and we'll talk about that a little bit later too as to the reason why it does help cancer recovery right down to the cellular level. So it seems that um, there was a Greek physician and a philosopher, a lot of good information comes from those Greek times. His name was Parmenides and he was around in 540 to 480 BC. 
He said a, a really interesting thing back then, and he's been quoted for it. Give me a chance to create a fever, and I will cure any disease. Give me a chance to create a fever, and I will cure any disease. Very interesting. Um, now, you know, in 2013, that's a bit of a sweeping statement, but um, when we talk about the use of the fever, the use of the core temperature being elevated uh, to bring about a remission from cancer, we can do this now very clearly with the knowledge that it is a value-add and an adjunct treatment. So we see many people at our institute um, that have tried alternative medicine and are very keen to go to places like Germany or indeed now in Australia there are a few doctors who have hypothermia units. Okay, so let's talk a little more in depth about hypothermia because I think it's a particularly interesting subject and uh, one that I'm sure you're going to want to know a lot more about. Um, I may even repeat one of the blogs that I've done um, gee, I think I wrote that about a year, 18 months ago about hypothermia. It was a three-part series. I might put that on the uh, Grey School and Media blog for you to have a look at, which would be a, a virtually a summary then of, um, of this program. So um, with hypothermia, for a long time, actually, it's been known that cancer cells may be damaged by heat. We know that when we use radiation, the cancer cells are sensitive to the radiation. Unfortunately, with high beam radiation, um, we have the, the natural healthy cells also uh, being affected by being treated. But the cancer cells can actually be killed by this. So if you heat up cancer tissues, um, you get things called heat shock proteins. They develop and they initiate immunological mechanisms of defense against the cancer cells. So you've got repair mechanisms in the cancer tissue after chemotherapy or irradiation actually being impaired also by the hypothermia. If the chemotherapy or radiation is performed in combination, um, these treatments are so much more effective. So therefore, um, and this becomes very important when we're looking at the well-being of the cancer patients as they are going through treatments that are necessary because in many cases it's possible to use a lower dose of chemotherapy um, in conjunction with hypothermia and that means less toxicity for the patient and less side effects. So I'll go through a few of the different types of hypothermia that are available. It's, uh, it's not just one thing called hypothermia. And um, if we look at the local hypothermia that we've uh, just started talking about here, um, the cancer tissue or the metastases are heated up by using a short wave of radiation. It's around about 13.56 megahertz and an energy up to about 150 watts. And this is um, a different type um, of hypothermia than is actually practiced uh, here at the Halvan Clinic where I am at the moment. But many of the German clinics and many of the clinics throughout the US are now practicing this type of, um, of hypothermia, uh, which is getting closer to what we call an oncothermia. The penetration of this type of treatment is very deep. It's around about 20 uh, centimetres. And in the tumour tissue, the temperature goes somewhere around about 42 degrees centigrade. That's about uh, 107 point, uh, 0.6 Fahrenheit. So while healthy cells tolerate the treatment, malignant cells get damaged. So this is good news. Unlike radiation therapy, 
um, which has its place as well, very definitely. But if we can uh, take advantage of things like hypothermia, where we're going to have a kill of the cancer cell and uh, the healthy cells do not get damaged, a really good contribution to well-being. Now, the other upside, there's no really significant side effects with local hypothermia. Uh, during the treatment, the patient stays relaxed on a warm water bed, um, so that's not such a bad uh, thing either. Now, local surface hypothermia is another one, um, and that's sometimes used in addition with whole body hypothermia. Now, in local hypothermia here, local surface hypothermia, um, it's very suited to superficial tumours such as skin cancers, um, superficial lymph nodes, metastases that appear on your skin, um, or sometimes even in the muscles of primary tumours. Uh, the penetration isn't as deep. Uh, it can be used for malignant melanoma and um, some of those uh, skin metastases that one sees uh, in breast cancer. So here we have the heat generated with a water filtered infrared radiation source and that can penetrate around one inch into the tissue that's around about two centimeters the whole procedure there takes about an hour and of course it's used in combination with immune therapy or chemotherapy which increases the effectiveness of the treatment then we go to whole body hypothermia um, and this is where the healing effect of fever uh, comes in which as I mentioned we'll talk about later in the show because it's very connected with the experience of whole body hypothermia. So it's um, a relatively new treatment whole body hypothermia but uh, it's a therapeutic way to explain it uh, easily. It's a therapeutic way of the principle of fever and induction of a fever. Um, so you, uh, there are three different ways that can have the action here and that's to activate the immune system. So a big wake-up call for the immune system to recognize cancer cells. It can heat the cells themselves and therefore thermically damage the cancer tissue. Um, and when it does this, it actually helps the gateway of the cancer cell to open up, allowing a much more efficient uh, delivery of chemotherapy. So um, whole body hypothermia, excellent way um, of treating cancer. In fact, all of the hypothermias have a huge contribution as a part of, I call it the holographic treatment of cancer. Um, they're not meant to be used as a standalone and a lot of alternative clinics are using them as a standalone treatment. Certainly advise against this because you get the best results when uh, you're building bridges between all the different types of therapies that you can use. Anyway, we are going to take a break right now in Navigating the Cancer Maze. Our time's gone very quickly already. We'll be back uh, with more information about hypothermia, spontaneous remissions, fevers, and all of those connections. Don't go away. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. 
Holvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Scholar Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Scholar Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Scholar Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegollarinstitute.com or email institute at gracegollar.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. We're back with Navigating the Cancer Maze and I'm your host Grace Gawler and today we're talking about hypothermia in the treatment of cancer uh, as an adjunct treatment. So in the first segment we've talked about the different types of hypothermia. I'd like to return to uh, talking about whole body hypothermia uh, which is one of the more popular ones at the moment. So uh, here at the clinic in, in Halvang, this is actually used in conjunction with um, sometimes antibody treatment, sometimes with the TACE therapy, the trans-chemoembolization therapy, as practiced by Professor Vogel at the University of Frankfurt. It actually makes his localised chemotherapy far, far more effective. And we find that patients who have the TACE therapy and who come back to the clinic and within the next day or the next three or four days, they have a whole body hypothermia. And that really accelerates 
the healing potentials and the destruction of the cancer tissue. So in a whole body hypothermia, um, the core body temperature is raised to around about 39.5. A few patients get up close to the 40 mark, but it's very, very carefully managed. And um, there's a safety margin in this with a skilled practitioner where they know exactly when to take you to that level and then to help bring you down again. And here the whole process takes about three hours. It's a very gradual warm-up, um, starts with a bath and then on a, a, a heat bed with lamps and then in a tent where you're actually uh, really taken up to that high temperature. Not terribly comfortable for a lot of people, but um, very, very beneficial as, as the adjunct to um, any type of chemotherapy, but in particular the localised chemotherapy, where we find patients don't lose hair, they don't become ill, um, unlike systemic treating, treatments with chemotherapy. So those two partner very, very nicely indeed. So this is actually simulating uh, a natural fever that you'd get if you uh, caught a bug, if you maybe had the flu or, um, or caught a virus and uh, had an elevated temperature. So what actually happens is uh, when the fever is stimulated, the natural cells, the natural killer cells, your T cells, T helper cells, and the cytotoxic T cells all become activated as a part of the immune system. And we find that the membrane of the um, cancer cell becomes quite weak. Um, cancer becomes very weak and disorganized in the presence of this type of heat. And I emphasize again, saunas are great and um, it's good to uh, activate your lymphatic system and get in the sauna, but this is not the sort of heat that we're talking about here. This is a real core heat um, that does have this effect to the immune system. Um, moderate whole body hypothermia is also used and this is quite moderate at this 39.5 degree area in the whole body hypothermia. Um, quite often it can be used after you finish treatments and for some period of time and there's some theories around about this that it actually may help prevent a recurrence of the cancer. Now um, in saying that Again, I'll emphasize, go to a clinic that's got a track record, been practicing the hypothermia for a long time, and that's also going to take care of your fluid balance because when you have hypothermia, of course, you may become dehydrated. And so it's very important that fluids are replaced. And quite often by mouth is not enough and uh, you will need to have an infusion. So um, a reputable clinic is likely to do some uh, sodium chloride infusions or some other type of infusion to actually just make sure that the electrolyte balance is kept up after the hypothermia treatment. So there's yet another level in the, in hypothermia. So you can see it's not just the thing called hypothermia. Um, there's an extreme whole body hypothermia. This one has to be really done with a great deal of skill. Um, it's used at a lot of clinics and particularly here in uh, parts of Germany uh, where there is advanced or metastatic disease. Um, it's used in combination again with chemotherapy and um, 
The core body temperature this time is increased quite high. It goes up to about 42 degrees centigrade, which is 107.6. Um, this um, is one where a number of patients that I have met after having been to some of the clinics have experienced some burns of uh, their skin. So um, for me, the jury's out a little bit on this because I have seen um, some great effects from it, but I've also seen some effects that um, have not been so helpful for the well-being of the patient. Um, the people ha that have used it have had some fairly outstanding results. So I think, again, it comes back to this thing called personalised cancer medicine, where this type of treatment may be suitable for one type of patient with a certain type of cancer, whereas another kind of patient might be well suited to the more moderate uh, forms of hypothermia. Um, the chemotherapy, when you're having the extreme hypothermia, is often introduced around about the temperature of 41 degrees. So um, once again, uh, it's possible to use very low doses of chemotherapy. So you do save on the extensive side effects because they're kept to a minimum. Um, another area where the moderate and extreme forms of whole body hypothermia can be helpful is where you've had tumours or you've got metastases, secondaries of a primary tumour that are resistant to chemotherapy. And they can be successfully treated with a combination then of, um, once again, different kinds of chemo and whole body hypothermia. Um, Body core temperature in this situation is increased very, very slowly and very carefully. Um, the water-filtered infrared irradiation is used. Um, apart from um, the skill and it being suitable for you, this type of extreme hypothermia, um, you know, is a relatively safe treatment. Uh, look for the skilled operator. Now, we've talked about hypothermia. We've talked a little bit about oncothermia um, there's a heating up of the body which is just purely the heating up and there's another kind of treatment which um, was founded it was actually discovered by a gentleman who lived in Budapest and he's done some remarkable studies they have an excellent website which I would recommend if you're interested in finding out more about hypothermia whether it's right for you uh, finding out about all the details of what's involved with having it. I'll give you the website now. It's www.oncotherm, so that's onco, O-N-C-O, therm, T-H-E-R-M, dot D-E. Um, there's a German website and there's a website from Hungary. So we've just developed um, a unit in New South Wales in Australia with a medical professor who is using this type of uh, treatment, oncothermia, in conjunction with radiation, and he's doing some trials on it. Um, only in trial mode at the moment, but it's great that he's been open and interested enough to do that. So we're not going back far here into the history of this because it was only in 1988 that uh, Professor Dr. Andreas Satz um, actually worked with oncothermia and the theory about the heating of cancer cells. So um, oncothermia uh, is based on 
basically the classical method of hypothermia. And it just takes it that little bit further. Excuse me. It just takes it that little bit further. Um, unlike conventional hypothermia, the oncothermia does more than actually warm then through the layers of tissue. So what it's doing is combining the warming, but it combines it with a modulated electric field with a carrier frequency of the 13.56 megahertz, which we mentioned uh, earlier. And that's then generated by two active electrodes. So if you go and have a look at the site, there's some excellent brochures on there about um, hypothermia and oncothermia and uh, about explaining the differences. There's some brilliant diagrams in those brochures and you'll get a really good understanding of how this kind of treatment works. Um, I guess it's representing oncothermia as taking the hypothermia, which has been around, as we said, for thousands of years, to a whole new generation of heat treatments and selective heat treatments for cancers. Um, so you've got your traditional hypothermia, which is your heating up the core temperature of the body. Um, and that's functioning only on what we'd call thermodynamic parameters. In other words, it's just about the temperature and the heating up. The oncothermia, however, that functions by controlling very specific absorbed energy doses. And that's a very much a similar approach to what is used in radiation therapy. Um, it's very controlled, it's very selective, and this type of um, oncothermia can transport energy directly to malignant cells via selecting the electrical field. Now, I must say a little story here. We um, have a patient who came with us last year to the clinic. She wasn't actually fully treated here. She went up to a clinic in the north of Germany where they were using um, a virus therapy alongside dendritic cell plus oncothermia and she also had conformal radiation therapy. She had a brain tumour which was a fairly um, very, very severe, one of the worst brain tumours you can have, a glioblastoma multiform. And uh, she had had surgery for this, it had returned, and her prognosis was very, very poor indeed. And in fact, she wasn't supposed to live past February of this year. Um, with this combination of the treatments and uh, she felt that the oncothermia here was actually quite important uh, along with the dendritic cell therapy and the virus therapy in really setting her on the right road to recovery. I'm pleased to say that lady is in remission and um, her oncologist back in Australia has been amazed. He said he's not seen anything quite like it. Um, the outcome has completely turned around to what it was. So here we are talking about the new culture of cancer survivorship, uh, which we often talk about on this program in the way of navigating the cancer maze. So we are going to go for another break and I'll be back after the break with more... Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health and Wellness. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute, as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are. 
and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Scholar Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracescholarinstitute.com or email institute at gracescholar.com. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Scholar Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Scholar Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegaller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Hulvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hulvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G dash clinic dot com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now... Back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. We're back with Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm Grace Gawler, and I have a very special guest here today, Gizzy, who is a, a hypothermia therapist, and she works here at the Halvan Clinic under the guidance of the oncology team. So welcome to the show, Gizzy. Hello, Grace. Um, you've been working in hypothermia for some time. Yes, I work. Uh, I I work here since two thousand nine. I start working with this therapy. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose um, hypothermia? Did you have a particular interest? That was growing after a while. That, that the first idea was um, Dr. Jacob was asking me if I if I'm interested in doing this because she she realizes I have a special connection to the patients and. Um, take care for them. I always take, like to take care for people, and and in this in this in this treat this treatment is a hard treatment, and and uh, you need something with who is sensitive, who is taking care, who is you know. yeah. It's quite a skilled area, and uh, we've interviewed. Uh, in fact, the first of the navigating the cancer maze, I interviewed Dr. Jakob. 
and she talked about all of um, the, the the principles that were there. So um, now the clinic's changed and it's it's Halvan Clinic, and you're still here mm, and yes. you're still doing hypothermia. So can you basically, for um, a patient's understanding, explain what the principles are behind hypothermia? The biggest thing is that it uh, pushes the immune system. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all know that fever has a healing effect. But if the body, if the body is, is ill, um, it causes fever to help itself to push the immune system. Um, it hires white, the white blood cells, and it, it does a lots of different things. It, uh, the self-healing uh, system is activated, mm-hmm. and um, in cancer therapy especially, it also. Um, highest, uh, um, I forgot the English word. <laughs> um, if the, the, chemo, it, if the chemo is working more intensive mm-hmm. with this, um, the benefit of the chemo, and sometimes if people don't react on the medication, it can be better if you have hypothermia. So maybe antibody therapy or something. Mm-hmm. If somebody is... Uh, has, has, has not a good reaction on, on Removab maybe. Mm-hmm. We do hypothermia before and it can make make it completely different. So it can... This, this pushing of the immune system helps that the other therapies work better or more intensive. Okay. Um, the Removab that Gizzi's just mentioned um, is a trifunctional antibody and um, it's actually getting popular um, through places throughout the world now. So... Um, it is used here at the clinic at Halvan. So, Gizzi, can you describe what happens when a patient comes in? Um, can you go through the procedure and take as long as you like with this because I think it's really helpful for people to know. Yes. Um, if you could describe the whole procedure from the beginning right through to the end. What happens? Okay, so in this clinic here, we start with a, over, with a bath, with a warm, a hot bath to warm the body a little bit up for a while. This is different um, from the, the times. Is The times are different because everybody, every patient has different diseases, is feeling different. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have the bath before to warm them up. They bec- uh, get infusions with fluids. It's relaxing at the beginning. It starts to become warm after a while, but still okay. And then we go on and the people um, start to heat it up under the under the infrared heaters. This is a water filtered system, mm-hmm. so the, the the it it doesn't burn the skin or something else because lots of patients are afraid of, of the hot. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they are covered. I put them in the tent. Um, I connect them to a few things to check the vital signs, like an intensive um, care. Mm-hmm. That's really important. That we see the oxygen, the heart rate. Very important is increasing of the temperature, sure. Um, and slowly, I should think. Um, yes, not too high, but this depends on on the situation. So if the if patients, you can see at you can see at the monitor um, if it's hard, if the body can handle it or not. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, and it also it's it's really hard to say. It's 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 important to know what what uh, what we wanna read, what we wanna what result we want to have mm-hmm. 
what's the diagnose, what's the therapy, why are we doing this? It's always different, and so the times are different under the heaters in the bath and after the heating time when we have a, the temperature that we'd like to have or we could reach I wrap the people in the flexible tent um, it's like a, have you seen that, like a one person sauna just the head is, is looking outside and we try to hold the temperature or we, often the temperature is increasing even without the heaters and I can see this on the monitor and this is a one of the really important things, we try to hold the temperature for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and how long? I mean, one hour would be good. It could be a little bit more. Mm-hmm. If the patients are weak, it could be a little bit less. Um, but this is the thing that I cannot say exactly. It depends on what, what's the reason we do the hypothermia. Sometimes it's a high temperature important. Sometimes it is not important. It could be a lower, but hold it longer. That's really different. Mm-hmm. So. And um, how does it feel? It is, we do the hypothermia with the head outside. And this makes it much easier. Mm-hmm. We also have options to give some relaxing medication. Um, it's, um, it's, it's a treatment. That it's, I think it's not a walk in the park. But it's really, um, if somebody feels it's really hard, maybe somebody else felt it easier. And uh, it's like... Sometimes I say it's like lying in the sun in the middle of the in, in the desert for a while. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, but so yeah, it's important just to make the experience by itself and don't think too much about other people that say it's really hard or it's really different from patient to patient. Mm. Very big part of personalized cancer medicine, of course. Yes, uh, which is what's practiced here. Um, how do most patients cope with it? How do they manage, like being in the in the tent? Do they find it uh, claustrophobic, even though their heads out? Or do people that usually okay? That makes it much better. It's really different. <clears throat> Interesting is that lots of patients, which expect something really worse, they do it. They do it really easily because they they think it's it's easier than they think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's. I can say it's not um, easier for patients, which say I'm really often in the sauna because it's a really different thing. Um, I think they all manage it really good. Um, we help them with cold towels on the forehead. That makes a big difference for a while. Um, yeah, I think we, we can do a lot to make it a little bit more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the treatment, what sort of things do patients, uh, do you warn patients about getting tired or what, what kind of things happen to patients after this treatment? So what can happen is a light headache from the heat, swollen fingers or um, ankles. Mm-hmm. This is something and they'll be tired because it's, it's, um, it's not easy for the body, it's hard work. Um, what's important is to have no, no stress and not no... No hard body work at this day. Relaxing time. Drink a lot. Um, yes, that's that's the most important thing. And what I think what is also interesting interesting to know is after the treatment, when I open the tent, ninety nine percent of the patients feel really really good. Mm-hmm. Because interesting is that hypothermia is also in the new studies studies show that it's working with and against depressions too so it highest the serotonin level that's too. interesting yes and 
that's that's the good feeling afterwards <laughs> I think like sports is doing it huh? mm -hmm. um, with the actual unit itself it must feel like a butterfly coming out of a, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you're born <laughs> yeah you're kind of reborn is there a limit to how many treatments a patient can have within a certain time this is really different for so everybody huh I learned once a week then you can lower it every second it depends on the it depends on on the constitution and depends on the on the diagnose and with chemo so we do it especially with professor Vogelner after before we do, um, after professor Vogel. yes or before or something but uh, to, to hire to, to push the immune system for a longer time it's a good good thing to do it once a week mm -hmm. every second week I know that some Therapists do it in special uh, systems, like every second day for three times, then make a longer break. So that's really different. There are lots of things. Hypothermia is such a um, um, so my English. <laughs> um, you can do it in a lots of ways. Yeah, and we're using it's a very old therapy, of course, yes. coming into a new way of being oh, yes. and very very effective um, just wanted to ask you about hydration in um, people having hypothermia uh, in Australia and other parts of the world it's becoming very popular to get a hypothermia unit mm -hmm. um, but people aren't given infusions with this mm -hmm. and um, I know here it's the, the hydration and the electrolytes are a very important yeah, part of this exactly. yeah mm -hmm. so this is um, you, you endorse this uh, with the hydration? Yeah, we start with um, um, one, two, three liters fluid, really much. Mm -hmm. uh, de depends on the, on the size. Um, and what is important to give magnesia, because magnesia is relaxing. Yes. And it helps to higher the temperature. This is something we have in the infusions. And uh, the electrolytes too because from the sweating and everything for the heart for everything mm. and it makes it really easier for the patients to have um, a high fluid level so there's definitely enough hydration but this also can can cause the swollen fingers but it right. won't go away mm -hmm. uh, it, it will go sorry yes it will go away <laughs> it's only temporary yeah temporary. do the infusions happen while the patient's actually in the tent as During well all the time it's the whole time it's the whole time we start in the bath we go on in the tent and we go on in the Wrapping time and afterwards, and they also get their um, their infusion therapy afterwards. Mm. So for you, you can probably only do two patients a day if it's a three-hour procedure. I could do two, yeah, but it's um, I'd like to have. It's sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. It's always a problem if you have more patients because you need to have enough time, and you don't know at the beginning how it goes, how it works. Mm. But two patients a day is possible, yes. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Thank you for enlightening our listeners and myself. Thank you. <laughs> In fact, on uh, hypothermia treatment as it's given here at the Halvang Private Oncology Clinic in Germany. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Goller Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. 
The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Gray Scholar Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at grayscholar.com or visit their website at grayscholarinstitute.com. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Hulvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hulvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Scholar from the Grace Scholar Institute as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the Cancer Maze. The Gray Scholar Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.grayscholarinstitute.com or email institute at grayscholar.com. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Welcome back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Navigating the Cancer Maze is an um, education tool for the Grace Schooler Institute based in Australia. This is my institute and it's based on my almost 40 years of working with cancer patients as what I call a cancer recovery strategist. Also a naturopath and herbalist but uh, these days I work more with the psycho-oncology and the strategies that help cancer patients get well. So please visit our website which is gracegawlerinstitute.com Gawler is G-A-W-L-E-R GraceGawlerInstitute.com or if you're interested in looking at the Hulvan Clinic and German Cancer Treatments look at our website which is called German Cancer Treatments with an S dot com. There you'll find more information about treatments that are discussed in this program, options um, and some patient testimonials, just about everything you'd want to know as well as our Cancer Patients Without Borders Medi Tours to Germany. 
Also, remember my blog, which is grayscholarmedia.com, that updates about many different situations in cancer therapies, as well as talking about in a little more depth the subjects here on Navigating the Cancer Maze on Voice America. So in finishing up our talk today about uh, fevers and uh, hypothermia, I'd like to go back to talking about specifically the Spontaneous Remission book, uh, which we've quoted a few times on the program, and I have interviewed Carol Hirschberg, who was one of the co-authors of that book. Um, Very interesting chapter, um, which is uh, in the appendix of Spontaneous Remissions. Now, You can actually get this book. It is enormous. It is uh, about 600 pages, I think. Um, It's uh, material that's been studied from about 800 journals, 20 different languages, and it's brought them together to have a look at the sorts of things that people have uh, used to get well, but also mainly from the literature, people that have had a remission that was not explained by the treatments that they had. So in the appendix um, at the end of this, and you can find spontaneous remissions online, if you type in that uh, word or two words, and uh, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, I-O-N-S, library, the entire uh, book is a free download on that site. So um, very worthwhile having a look if you're a cancer patient or know someone who is, to have a look particularly at the last chapters um, which talk about fevers. Now, uh, there's many, many quotes here. It talks about regressions of all sorts of things from leukemias, from Burkitt's lymphoma, from myeloma, multiple myeloma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, that were all related to when people had an incident of an infection where the temperature was elevated. In other words, we're looking at an internal source, a bacterial, perhaps a viral source of heat treatment. Um, And from Carol's book, I'd like to um, quote one, which is from page 640. It quotes, high fever and cancer. This summary has been extracted. The observation of Dr. Ziggyard of occasional remissions in Hodgkin's disease after an attack of measles may augment a theory common in Central Europe 100 years ago that an attack of hyperpyrexia, which is an infective state, often produced a long-term remission in cancer. Then Rodenberg in 1918 noted that of 166 cases of spontaneous remission in cancer patients, 72 had suffered from a high fever due to an infection. In vivo and in vitro work in the author's department has shown that for certain animals and human tumours, the malignant cells are more susceptible to raise temperatures than normal tissue, and perhaps the remissions reported by Dr. Ziegert may be due to the associated pyrexia or infection. So... um, also very interesting. Uh, you could also read up on this if you're interested and have a look at Collie's toxins, because it's C-O-L-E-Y-S, toxins. Um, he was using bacterial infections in small amounts to try to trigger immune responses and was one of the early pioneers of this particular um, way of treating cancer. So uh, many times when one of my patients uh, manages to get an infection, um, sadly I say, well, this could be a a good thing. And of course you don't want an infection to actually ravage the body, 
but getting the temperature up and then having it controlled uh, to bring the temperature down may actually be doing our immune systems a really, really big favour. Very interesting to look back in the literature right through back to the 1700s and the, right through to current time and find the amazing number of spontaneous remissions associated with the induction of a fever. So in coming to uh, the conclusion of today's program, I'd like to thank Yizi for making herself available from the hypothermia unit here at the Halvang Private Oncology Clinic. We were hoping to speak with Dr. Schwartz um, here about hypothermia and perhaps we'll be able to engage him at another time on navigating the cancer maze. Uh, just a reminder too about using the resources, the websites we've already mentioned and uh, if you'd like to email me, um, institute at grayscaller.com if you'd like a brochure about the Halvang Clinic's treatments or anything to do with German cancer treatments, please don't hesitate. We can send you a brochure uh, free of charge, free of obligation and you can uh, make yourself familiar with many of the treatments here including hypothermia. Um, just in closing, uh, during Gizzi's interview, she mentioned the new trifunctional antibody, which is used here at the clinic. Um, and uh, that trifunctional antibody also induces a fever state. So another important ingredient in the, um, the healing recovery chart for patients here at Halvang. And also if we look at dendritic cell therapy um, as it is today, um, some laboratories who are treating patients as research um, facilities treating patients who have uh, got to quite advanced cancer and using dendritic cell again using fever and inducing an immune response in the body um, people often get a little bit shivery and shaky when they have a dendritic cell therapy it's exactly the same thing we've been talked about talking about today so in fact, we can um, use the intelligence of fever to really bring about a profound healing effect in the body and have that as an adjunct to the other therapies that we're doing. So this area needs a lot more investigation. It has been um, over the past 10 years at the high level of investigation, but it still needs to get more into the mainstream journals and mainstream medicine because as an adjunct, uh, the raising of the core temperature of the body seems to have an important place to play in the recovery of cancer. We're going to be back again next week on Navigating the Cancer Maze with a very, very special guest indeed. So uh, read the e-card and we'll see you then. Bye. Thank you again for listening to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Please join your host, Grace Goller, again next Friday at 12 noon, U.S. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, cancer is not something you have to face alone.